welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Welcome back to Thank the you. chair next to the fire. <laughs> we don't really have names for welcome our chairs. Welcome back to the inn. Yeah. We don't really <laughs> lean into the whole, like, inn thing. Like, sometimes I'll throw innkeepers in there, and then it feels real cheesy, so I'll stop for a couple weeks, because I can imagine, like, Jocelyn yelling at me for being cheesy, but... Yep. <laughs> then I don't know. Then it, all of a sudden it just comes flooding back to me. So yeah, welcome back to the inn. Pull up a <laughs> chair next to the fire. Uh, you've had a long. You have had a long journey. Which, I have had a long you know. journey. <laughs> Actually, physically IRL have had a long journey. Uh, yeah. So last week we were uh, down in New Brunswick. We were helping Matt's grandmother move to Ontario. So lots of driving. Mm. I've yeah, done. We were way far uh, away. I've done the Atlantic Drive a couple uh, a couple of years ago. We went to PEI and we drove. And um, you know, I'll give you I'll give you one guess. I want you to guess which was which was worse having in the car uh, a six month old, a small yappy puppy you've met Zoe, or a mother in law. So you, I'll let you pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have met Zoe, so I would say the small yappy dog. <laughs> You're wrong. It was mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, my mother-in-law, I love her to death. She's awesome, and she will get that joke, and she'll be like, "Yeah, I am. I am just. I am way more annoying than Zoe." No, Zoe was actually surprisingly really good. Um, we didn't have any any incidents with rain. That's what really gets her going is the windshield wipers. We thought it was hilarious the first time she saw it, but. Now it's just come back to haunt it us every time. got pretty old pretty fast. <laughs> no, it's just, it's not funny anymore because she just freaks out and it's like, oh, every time it rains, we have to transport her. It's like our own personal hell. But no, I, I, I kid, Caden slept the whole way and the dog was delightful. So I think it was just, you know, we had to take, we had to take the mother-in-law to, to give the father-in-law a break. But how was your trip? Enough about my two years ago trip. How was your trip was, was long and, and you made it back? Well. Yeah, we did. Uh, it, it was it was pretty good. Uh, I didn't get to do a whole lot of uh, watching E3 things. I didn't get too much gaming done. The only thing I really did was play some Hearthstone on the way mm. down because I, I didn't drive on the way down. I drove on the way back. And uh, yeah, that was 13 hours all in one go. It was uh, Matt's family is intense when it comes to that drive. <laughs> yeah, it's a it is a drive. And honestly, I don't know what was worse when we did it. We left at like midnight. And I think it might have been over, the over overnight part. Like we slept mm. a couple hours and then we got in the van and we drive. We drove for, for 12 hours, uh, 18 hours straight. It was to PEI. Yeah. But, you know, you made it back. And, and not only did you play Hearthstone, we didn't put this in the notes, but I, I feel like we should tease at some point that we're going to get all spoilery goodness on Detroit because I, I texted you. I finished that. You know, I finished Detroit before uh, since we last spoke. Uh, so not tonight because we've got plenty to talk about, but at some point we're going to have to break down some spoilery goodness. Cause that is a, that is a story worth discussing. I feel. I agree. So yeah, probably not next week because mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to be talking about vampire next week. Uh, both Ryan and I have got, so I, Ryan has more time in it than I do, which is why we're not covering it this week because, um, I feel like because vampire there's just so much to do it's a pretty deep game there's a lot of story there so i didn't want to just like i think i've played it for maybe two hours so far because i was away last week so i didn't want to give a review of it only being a couple of hours in so i'm going to play some more we'll talk about it next week so um if you guys are looking for for that review it is still coming 
But uh, I did play actually more than I kind of thought I was going to. Um, I played Jurassic World Evolution this week. Mm. And the reason why I say more than I thought I was going to is because um, I started playing it early this afternoon. I thought I was going to get an hour or two in, which is usually enough for me to get a pretty good idea of like a simulation game kind of uh, gameplay loop. So I was like, ah, I'll play for an hour or two. I'll get an idea. Like, I'll be able to to talk about it on Gamers In, and it won't. It's not like Vampire. It won't require you know like ten to twenty hours of gameplay before I get a really good idea of all the mechanics. So um, I jumped into Jurassic World, and I was really highly anticipating this game. I was really excited about it because I very much enjoy the Jurassic Park franchise, just the whole idea behind it. I loved the books. I loved just like, I love Jurassic Park. I'm a huge fan. They're a book? And Huh? I'm kidding. It's a joke. Oh, I was like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> I knew. Screeching hall. I have not read the this. books, but I knew they're based on books. Uh, but like, just, just, you know, to get, I know we don't have time, but how many books are there's one book right there's the one book or there's two books well there's jurassic park and lost world there's okay. two yeah so after that there's like no more source material because michael Crichton passed away right did he really i'm pretty sure yeah he, he had oh he's been on... i don't think i knew that <laughs> oh well <laughs> now i have to google it <laughs> i'm pretty sure he passed away I, I thought it was like a heart attack or something and it was like early 2000s I remember it being a big deal and like some huh. of his work was 2008 yeah oh well that's well sorry yeah i guess that's uh, about a decade ago um <laughs> i was like that's not so wow, long I'm ago. out of the loop <laughs> well uh wow real downer i'm just i'm just keeping it real here on the gamers in and just making you google whether people are alive or dead that's great so let's talk about jurassic world evolution and because i'm curious this game uh, was I knew it was coming out this week for during E3, but then it completely left my mind, and I was reminded again when you said you were playing it. So I'm I'm really I haven't played the games. These it's by the developers who did um, uh, Planet Coaster or something. That other game you're playing, right? A game that I really, really, really enjoy. So I had kind of high expectations going into Jurassic World Evolution because, like you say, I I love the kind of bones of Planet Coaster. I like not just simulation games, but theme park simulation games, I think are really, really fun. So when you kind of combine the idea of Jurassic Park with theme park simulation games and then throw in this, like, you get to create and evolve your own dinosaurs mechanic, mm. I was really, really, really excited for this game, which could be the reason for how I feel about it now that I've played it because I, I think I started playing around like noon I've probably got like six hours of gameplay in today nice um, so I kind of feel a little bit meh about it right now I'm gonna keep playing it and I'm going to explore it a little bit more but the reason I was able to get six hours of gameplay in today is because I spent quite a lot of time tabbed out so what? Whenever you have a video game where you can tab out and do other work and then come back to it, that's probably not a great mechanic. And basically, it's like there's no... Uh, in other simulation games, once you set things up and you need time to pass, you can fast forward. And there's no fast forward in this game. It's like everything is like real time 
There's no like night day cycles. Um, it's basically just like things take time. You make a certain amount of money. And it's kind of weird because like you make a certain amount of money per minute hmm. and there's quests and goals and stuff that are tied to making money per minute. But then you've got like dinosaurs with lifespans in years, but your dinosaurs will die of old age. So you're like, am I measuring things in minutes or years right now? Because <laughs> there's no like so it's it's a little bit kind of disjointed in that way. But I was finding I the cost for things was really, really high. And so like, for instance, to breed one Velociraptor, which comes up in the second island, there's like an island chain of five islands and you start on one that's very much like uh, tutorial-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, it has its own challenges and, and it was like harder than just like click here, do this, check a box, you can move on. Like, so there was a, a challenge to it. It wasn't, it wasn't a super, super easy tutorial and it doesn't hold your hand through the whole island. Um, but it definitely introduces you to the majority of the mechanics. And so there was that first island. And then the second island has its own kind of um, problems. Like each place is a little bit more unique. So because of where it is in the island chain and because it's not quite as sheltered, like it gets hit with tropical storms a lot more often. So there's a tropical storm mechanic that you have to deal with. So you need like emergency shelters and stuff. But um, on the second island breeding velociraptors becomes a thing and one velociraptor costs you six hundred thousand dollars so i was sitting there for literally like 25 minutes waiting to accumulate six hundred thousand dollars and i was just like okay my park is basically running itself i'm just waiting to accumulate this money and i don't want to spend money on anything else because i need to get to my raptors so i'm just gonna tab out go do other work that i need to do and then i'm gonna come back when it dings at me that i've hit that money and i'm like uh. <laughs> and jay on in the chat room saying 20 minutes for 600k is bad yeah i wish I wish that I could make 600k in 20 minutes. Well, you need but to learn how to clone dinosaurs first, exactly. then own an island. <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah, there's Pretty a lot of steps yeah. for that 20 minutes. You know, I, I, I think that it's weird. What you're describing to me sounds like uh, sounds like a game that I would play on my phone where I can leave it and be like, oh, well, unless I have dino juice or DNA points or whatever, I have to leave the app and come back in two hours. The fact that they have real time, you know, waiting or, or waiting in general, and there's nothing else to do but either close your app down or wait for it. That seems like a like a, a design flaw where there's no fast forward. I mean, yeah. I, and that's I, like hmm. so that's kind of what it reminded me of is it very much felt like a mobile game that I could like set a whole bunch of stuff and then go away for a while and then come back to it and then like click a whole bunch of like bubbles to collect the things that I'd done like it felt very mobile gamey to me almost like um do you remember the, the Simpsons tapped out yeah oh yeah yeah that's kind of what it felt like it's like I I set a whole bunch of stuff in motion and then I'd go away for a few minutes and then I'd come back and then I'd like collect everything that I had done <laughs> and I was like oh I don't know about this um because again where it's a where it's a simulation type thing I want to constantly be in there and managing things. And uh, Josh in the chat room is saying that um, requesting missions helps a lot with making money fast. And that's true. And possibly it's because of the missions that I had accepted. But I, I was at my cap of missions and it was like, 
one mission was to release dinosaurs. One mission was to breed a specific dinosaur. And then um, the other mission was to, oh, I know what it was, to attract 600 guests and remain at 600 guests or higher for five real-time minutes. So in order to attract guests, like uh, basically all the missions kind of play into each other because if I had been able to um, release a new dinosaur into the park, that would attract more visitors. And then, you know, that would be two of the missions and everything else. But I was waiting to accumulate money. So I didn't have any more mission slots that I could do. Um, and so I was just like, okay, well now I'm just sitting here and I'm just waiting. And same with uh, Josh is also saying you can sell fossils. Um, the fossils are all RNG. So it's basically like you can go to, you can send an expedition to a dig site. And the point is you're trying to find more fossils so that you can get more information and try to complete the genomes of your dinosaurs. Because, um, if you don't know enough of the DNA of the dinosaurs, then there's a potential like failure rate. So you can't even make a, you can't even make a specific species of dinosaur if you don't know 50% of its genome or less. Like it, then you just can't make one. Mm. Once you hit the 50% mark, you can make it, but then it's like it has a 50% chance to just fail and not be viable. And then you wasted your money. So the more expeditions you do and the more fossils you find, then the better the chances are that when you try to make the dinosaur in the park, it's going to succeed. So you go on different missions to expedition sites. And this is something I didn't realize at first is that you can revisit the same mission site. I was or the same expedition site. I was trying to like I went to all the different expedition sites and then I was like, how do I unlock the rest? Like I can't go on any more expeditions. And it turns out you can you can keep revisiting the same expedition site over and over and over again. But um, the part of it that's very random is you'll get fossils from one or more, depending on how many dinosaurs are present, uh, dinosaur fossils are present at the expedition site. Um, you will, you will get varying quality of fossils. And then there's a chance with each mission that you'll get things that don't have dinosaur DNA in them. So like fossilized eggs or like fancy rocks or, you know, stuff like that, that, are valuable to collectors but not valuable to you because they don't have any dna in them so then you just straight up sell them for money but you don't get them with every expedition and expeditions cost money so it's like you might spend a hundred thousand dollars sending out an expedition and then you may or may not actually like recoup that money mm. do you know what i mean like you you might get dinosaur dna but then it even costs you money to extract dna from the fossils so it's like expeditions can be costly. There's a chance they could be rewarding, but most of the time they're costly. So it's like, I don't know. I just, I got to this point where there was really nothing I could do without spending money in order to make more money fast enough. So then, like I said, it took me 20 or 25 minutes to get enough for my first raptor. Then it turns out that raptors need our pack animals, which I think everyone knows if you've watched the movie um, or any know. of the any of the Jurassic movies <laughs> always have packs of raptors. Mm -hmm. um, you can't just have one. Out, Are you crazy? It, yeah, it turns out when you just have one, it basically goes crazy and just starts throwing itself against the fences and trying to break out. How, how <laughs> long does it take to do. how long does it take to hire the Australian guy that takes care of him? <laughs> 
Well, you can. Uh, that's one of the buildings you can build. So there's all kinds of buildings for um, like park maintenance stuff as well as like guest entertainment. So there's like gift shops and fast food places as well as mm -hmm. like ranger stations and, and stuff like and emergency shelters and stuff like that. So there there's there's some variety in buildings that you can build, but I feel like not quite enough variety as someone who comes from a planet coaster type game mm -hmm. with a whole bunch of different themes and a whole bunch of different customization options for what you can do in planet coaster there's really not that much customization in jurassic world evolution you can change like the uh and i'm not talking about the dinosaurs i'm just talking specifically about like the look of your theme park and you can change like the uh color on the jeeps that your rangers use and the helicopters that your um animal control unit guys use so you can change some of your branding, hmm. but I felt like I spent way more time like in the almost like top down God view of the park as opposed to like you do have the option of going down, which is kind of cool. You do have the option of going down and like driving the Jeep and flying the helicopter and like doing those mechanics as if you're like down on the ground and you are a ranger, or you are an ACU guy. So that's kind of cool but i felt that i really it was easier to just like click on the ranger thing and then say okay go fix this fence go feed that dinosaur and then go do something else than it was to actually like go down and do those nitty-gritty game mechanics so it was like they attempted to do something cool but it got really kind of repetitive so i i felt like that was almost like the way that the whole game worked like i had a ton of fun in my first couple of hours but it got it seemed to be a little bit shallow and got repetitive quite quickly. Um, so I didn't like, I didn't fall in love with it the way I thought I was going to. Right. That being said, there are some really cool, like I mentioned, like you can actually go down and do stuff as Rangers, as ACU guys, which is interesting. But then there's also like a ton of stuff that you can research in terms of like building upgrades and medicine for the dinosaurs and different like, color schemes and you can splice genomes together to change the traits of your dinosaurs and all of that uh splicing kind of makes them cost more potentially mm -hmm. so uh it's it's really really interesting how you can play around with it's like each raptor isn't a copy of just raptors like you can really get in there and customize what your actual dinosaurs are which is the whole point right it's called jurassic right. world evolution mm -hmm. um so that is really interesting, and that is, I feel like, probably the most robust part of the gameplay is the actual, like, research and then genome splicing stuff. Like, it's pretty cool, but um, the kind of theme park management isn't as, um, like, real-time crisis-oriented as I kind of thought it was going to be. I mean, like, the second island, for instance, the mechanic is, like I mentioned, that it gets hit by tropical storms. But there's this building in the game that's, like, a storm... Um, I, I don't even know. what It's not, like, a storm shelter. It's, I can't... A storm defense system or something like that. Oh, so okay. you basically place this building on the map. It really doesn't make any sense. But anything within its range, which is quite big, is protected from storms. It doesn't make any sense. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't. 
<laughs> I'm going to stop it right there. You can't say there's one aspect of this game that doesn't make any sense when you're cloning dinosaurs. <laughs> I mean, come well, on. I, within within the realm of like Jurassic World oh, and God. understanding that Jurassic in Jurassic World you clone dinosaurs, but it's just like have you seen the Fallen Kingdom? I haven't. Maybe there, maybe there's lore there where it's like, yeah, we invented dinosaurs, and then in our spare time, we invented a storm manipulator. I don't know, but uh, but anyway, so and you the the park or that island starts with one for sure, possibly even two. I can't remember, um, but they're quite cheap to place, and once you place them, then storm damage is basically nil and i i felt like i kind of negated the effect of the island very very early on so that wasn't really a challenging mechanic hmm. and i felt like it could have been much more challenging if the storms happened more often and if these if this like storm defense building didn't exist because then like you would have to think like oh maybe i want to put a, an extra fence around the carnivores or you know, maybe I want to make sure I build another ranger station because the rangers are the ones that go and fix the buildings and do the maintenance. You know, like it would you'd have to be more strategic about it instead of having this like overarching shield that doesn't really make any sense. So it the game and Josh is saying if you plan out really if you plan things out really well, then the game can feel slow. And maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just like from because I've played so much like Planet Coaster in the past then I was able to plan really well and I could see the mechanics coming. And so therefore I was ready for them. And, you know, so then I was like, oh, well, I planned really well. And it's like, because I've seen Jurassic Park and I understand that if the raptors get out, it's like literally the end of the world. I was like super ready for raptors by the time I put them in my park. Like I had the control. It's like you've never guide. seen a Jurassic Park movie. I had movie. the electric fences. I had like fail safes. I made sure they had food. Like I was like super on top of it before I actually bred the raptors. Right. Um, and uh, and yeah, so then I didn't really have any crazy like like so far no one's died in my game and I've played six hours. Like I feel like I should have had like a crazy dinosaur breakout that resulted in a death. And speaking of crazy dinosaur breakouts, one thing I have to talk about hmm. is there is there are missions and the missions are uh, there's missions and contracts. And so contracts are like the smaller things and then missions are like the bigger overarching story pieces. And they're all for three different um, I'll call them factions, but they're basically like departments. So you have like the science department, you have the entertainment department and you have the security department. And basically the mechanic is that when you do a mission or a contract for one specific department, the reputation with the other departments is going to go down. Okay. The problem with that is that all the departments offer you very similar missions. So at one point I'll get a mission from like at one point I was playing the game. And like I said, um, there was the mission to, or sorry, the contract to keep my guest count over 600 sounds like an entertainment mission right mm -hmm. it came to me from the science department hmm. i was like okay and then for some reason because it was a science mission my reputation with entertainment went down and i'm like but you would think entertainment would want more guests in the park that's the whole freaking point of their department so mm -hmm. it's like they yeah. put they put this mechanic in the game which i understand it's fine um where like 
the different departments are vying for your attention. That makes a lot of sense in a corporate environment that, you know, like different departments want you to do their things and fund their projects. And, and that makes sense to me. But they it's like they didn't actually QA the game and nobody read the text in the missions. And any of the missions at any time can just come up from any one of the teams. And that to me, it just it takes me right out of the whole uh, like RP of it. When, you know, things are, are losing me reputation with departments that I think it should make sense for. And like at one point, the science department was like, hey, you should take a picture of the dinosaurs fighting. And I'm like, why? That doesn't seem like something that science would want me to do. That seems like something that maybe entertainment would want me to do. And if it came from entertainment that was like, we want to promote that sometimes our dinosaurs fight then security might be like, whoa, dudes, that's not cool. The dinosaurs, you know, or like science would be like, oh, the dinosaurs shouldn't fight. That's not good for their, you know, general well-being because that's what science should be concerned with. And security should be like, if the dinosaurs are fighting, maybe they're going to get upset and try to break out of their pens. Like, that's not good for security. Something like that makes sense to me. But when it's the science dude saying, make them fight, I'm just like, what? Huh. I mean, <laughs> like it takes me right out of like the immersion, the way that they've built this mission system. I, I think that, you know, scientists are people who want to have fun, too. And sometimes you just want to <laughs> lay a little money on the side of for little old blue to take out, you know, uh, old reliable or something and get yeah. them get them fighting, uh, you know, in some illegal dinosaur fight club, you know, where no one's allowed to talk about it except for the scientists who give you the mission to make them fight in the first place it sounds like a lot of your you know conundrums on this these quests and contracts is that scientists are just assholes in this game like they want they want all the all all, they want all the contracts maybe it's a bug uh or maybe maybe it's just they like i mean and i get offered contracts from all the different factions and except for like okay so some of the security stuff and the security like mission on the first uh island specifically it's really freaking weird. Like at one point, like if I had the ability to actually fire employees, I would have fired my security guy on island number one because his bright idea when you first place the ACU, so the animal control unit, when you first place that building, he's like, all right, we have to see if our techs are up to the task. Open the gate of the paddock and let the dinosaurs out to see if our guys can keep up. I was like... That's a terrible plan. Just send them. They're in a helicopter. Just have them fly over the pen and see if they can trank one. Why do we have to let it loose on the guests? What are you doing, security man? Like, it's so freaking weird. It, it <laughs> but seemed... you have to go along with it to finish the, like, to finish the mission, right? And right, the okay. missions have unlockables. Like, certain levels of reputation have unlockables. So, it's like... You have to do it if you want to complete the island. And But it's just like, this is a terrible, terrible plan. How did you get your job? <laughs> you hired them. You don't want to sign the papers, ma'am. Apparently. <laughs> uh, it, it, it is interesting. It sounds like there's you know some great things about this game if you're a huge Jurassic Park fan. And there really hasn't been that many great Jurassic Park games. Now, I don't know if we touched on this, but... Jeff Goldblum has voice work in it. Is he basically like the Civ narrator in this game? Because that sounds delightful. 
So in this game, you get um, it, it is kind of like civilizations in that, like the uh, leaders of the departments will kind of uh, pop up and uh, give you advice. Mm-hmm. So there's characters and portraits in the game from basically all the major characters in the movies. So like Chris Pratt likenesses in there, Jeff Goldblum's likenesses in there. I can't remember the name of the chick who's Chris Pratt's love interest, but she's in there. Um, the research doctor guy is in there. Oh yeah. Um, but the only voice actor that they actually got is Jeff Goldblum. So you see like Chris Pratt's face with some other dude's voice. It's what? really kind of jarringly weird i'm like why did you do this like and i guess it's to um like have some continuity in the franchise but then just pay chris pratt well chris (laughs) pratt would be definitely the guy that has the highest bill i I would think you could easily pay the dude who's the scientist in all the jurassic park movies who i mean i don't think he's doing much except for jurassic park but um (laughs) Uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard or Dallas Bryce Howard, whichever name comes first. Uh, she she's I think she would cost a good. It'd be tough to see her doing video games as well, but you never know. But yeah, Chris Pratt would be a pretty expensive get. But Jeff Goldblum seems like maybe maybe a medium sort of cost value, and and maybe they just like if we're gonna get one, we might as well get the one that's gonna have people. Oh, it's got Jeff Goldblum in it. Now, yeah. now that and being said, his is he voice delightful? work is amazing. Oh, like it, it's really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it was so weird to see like the the faces that you're familiar with, but just with not their voices. What's a but fake then Chris for Pratt some reason, like? Jeff Goldblum's voice like I don't know. But yeah, so he kind of pops up and he's like color commentary, I guess, for lack of a better term. Like he's he's not necessarily the narrator, but like people will pop up with ideas or contracts and there's also like a general kind of park advisor guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the general park advisor or the heads of your departments or whatever, they'll pop up and give you little like contracts or tidbits or whatever. And then Jeff Goldblum pops in and has something like profound or sometimes sarcastic or sometimes like, Oh yeah, that'll turn out well. Chaos theory. <laughs> yeah. Chaos theory definitely gets mentioned at least once so far. I, I um, think it's it kind of like pops in with like color commentary, I guess. <laughs> and and in that aspect, like, I, I think you're right. Like continuity, keep it with the new movie, keep it in line with the, with the movie that's, that's coming out. I actually, I think it's coming out next week here in North America. Um, yeah. So maybe that's why they, like you said, stuck with that time frame. But easily, if you got Jeff Goldblum and no one else, you could have just said it. You could have just said, "Yeah, this is uh, this is the Jeff Goldblum era, like where he's he's the the park narrator, and it makes sense." Uh, but I guess this is wise old going to court, uh, Jeff Goldblum. You know, so uh, uh, yeah, no, it's, it sounds interesting. I've heard it's a it's it's an interesting game. However, it might be uh, too too pri- too pricey. Um, I know it's I not a full price game, but no, no, it is. It is. Oh. I think I paid. Um, hang on, let me just look it up on Steam because I don't want to say it was the like wrong. Five of, but... bucks off or something, or at least ten bucks. <laughs> I know five five bucks. or ten bucks off of eighty dollars, like is still seventy five dollars, Ryan. It's definitely not the price of like an indie. Um, no, no, but no, yeah, no, let no. me just uh, let me just look for it here. Does it have all the uh, so music? 
$62.99 is the uh, is the Canadian price on Jurassic World Evolution. So um, I don't know what that is in American, but that's See, definitely like AAA pricing for the game, which I don't think it necessarily deserves. I think a lot of that is just paying for the license. The, the licensing. Yeah, exactly. It's It's very much like... Does it have the music in it? That's what I'd like to know. Uh, there, it has a little bit of music in it, but I definitely didn't notice the music that much. And I feel like they could have made better usage of it. <laughs> That's like you, if you're going to, okay. If, if I'm getting a game that is like build your own Jurassic Park, every time the gates open, I want to hear that theme. I want right? you to pay the money, whatever it is, 10 bucks for every copy you sell. So I can listen to both jurassic park themes one whenever the gate opens and one at the end credits that's what there i want isn't even like a jurassic park gate hmm. from like jurassic park like that iconic when they're going on the tour like wait did you say there isn't no there isn't oh up <laughs> and the table what are we doing here folks like you get the jurassic park license you get Jeff Goldblum, but you don't get the gate or the music. Yeah. I just don't understand this. Uh, so, yeah, Josh is saying it's just when you first load in, they don't play it that often when you play. And I feel like that's the kind of mm. thing that since there's so much sitting around and waiting, if I had the soundtrack going, that would be cool. That would be a good time sync. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand why you get the license and you don't go full John Williams on this bad boy. Like what? Or, or even the new guy who's doing the new stuff. Um I can't remember his name because it's not John Williams. It's like, yeah. I, it's a little frustrating <laughs> but, when they do licensed games like this and they kind of pick and choose and they leave like the biggest, you know, the biggest fan service sitting on the table. Like, oh, no, we don't need that. Our game's enough without the without the fan. But that's what it is. It's Jurassic World. You need you need that fan service. That's the whole point of a licensed game. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that you're definitely paying for the licensing because. The game itself, I, I feel like Planet Coaster is somewhere around a $40 title. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot less in Jurassic World than there is in Planet Coaster. So I would say Jurassic World is probably worth like 30 bucks. Mm. I would say like wait until you see this go on sale because unless you are a gigantic Jurassic fan and you need to have all of the everything's like day one, then sure, go pick this up. But if you can wait at all, then just wait till it goes on sale because like $30 for this, I feel like is a fair price. So, I mean, e even watch for it to go less than that. And I feel okay. like this is probably because it's not reviewing very well. Um, I think it was like, got like a 71 on, I want to say like Polygon maybe. Um, and it's kind of been reviewing around that level, which like when you look at review sites that for the most part give things eight, nine or 10 out of 10 and they're giving this seven, that might as well be like a, this is trash tier game, even though 70% normally isn't that bad. That's pretty good. <laughs> when you're looking at a scale of eight, nine or 10 out of 10 and this gets a seven, it's like, whoa, <laughs> this is like, don't touch it with a 10 foot pole type game. And I don't think it's that bad. Right. I think it's still it's a fairly solid experience. It's maybe a little bit more shallow than I was expecting. That being said, I'm only on the second island. I've only done uh, I did all three missions on the first island, but I've only done one mission and I failed it on the second island. 
Um, because they're also not um, really upfront with how some of the specific dinosaur mechanics work. And some of it you think would be like obvious, like don't put carnivores in with the herbivores, but um, some of it is not so obvious. So, but they don't really make that information like readily available to you. Like I wish that there was some sort of like hostility rating or like, or something like that so that I could say like, okay, this is a carnivore, but he's like not that hostile. So as long as I put like a feeding thing in there, he'll attack the food and not the other dinosaurs. But Mm -hmm. there's like no measure like that. It just kind of seems like herbivores are herbivores. Carnivores are carnivores. Carnivores can only be with their own kind, which I didn't know. And so when I, (laughs) I, Oh, I I could put like carnivores with carnivores and they'd be okay because herbivores with herbivores are fine. So I was like, I'm just going to keep the same kind of dinosaur together in the same pens because the pens are really um, the pens are really expensive to make as they should be. And so I was like, I only have one carnivore pen. I don't have the money to make another carnivore pen. So I'm just going to put two kinds of carnivores in one pen. They murdered each other. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) like that's like that's. The end of Jurassic Park teach you that teaches that teaches you that lesson, right? Like they, I guess that yeah, that is true. That the T Rex goes after the Raptors, and yeah. Well, the Raptors go after the T Rex, and the T Rex, yeah. you know, rah, you know, it's all great, or ha ha, you know, it's all good. So, <laughs> I, I I was really hoping this game would be more than than um, what people have been describing, and I, you know, personally, personally. I don't feel like wait for it to go on sale is to me anyways anymore. Wait for it to go on sale to me isn't like a point of, you know, sort of endearment, you know, like I I don't know if I have time to wait for something to go on sale. Not that I'm going to buy it now full price. I just mean that, oh, if I should wait for it to go on sale, like there's probably going to be something else. Exactly. If you should wait for it to go on sale, it means basically like if you've got a ton of time on your hands and you're looking for something to play, then sure, give Jurassic World Evolution a shot. But if you have limited time and limited funds, give this a pass because you're really not going to miss that much. Mm. Um, And so like by the time it does go on sale, you're right. There's probably another full value title that you are going to get a lot more out of that is going to be a better experience for you. So don't waste your time on something that's kind of a meh experience. It's not terrible. And if you really like theme park simulation games, you're probably going to get a lot out of Jurassic World because there are, like I mentioned, there's some really cool stuff that you can do where like you get to go and be a ranger and you get to go be one of the ACU guys and like going after the animals when they get out of their pens and stuff like that. And that's really cool and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also like, you can go right down and view the animals and they've got a lot of really cool camera angles and stuff. And like when you first make a dinosaur or actually not even just the first time you, the first time you make a dinosaur I found was the most interesting, but it does it every time you release a new dinosaur into a pen, there's like a cinematic that plays and shows that dinosaur in your actual park so like it puts whatever building layout you've got like it shows all that in the background everything else like it's an in engine cinematic that's generated and it'll show you the dinosaur that you've created which right now is getting a little bit repetitive and boring because i haven't played around with the genomes very much i haven't done enough research and everything else but like once you start researching different colors and like all that kind of stuff, then your cinematic will reflect that. And I think that's really cool because it it does. It, the dinosaurs are the interesting part. It's 
Jurassic Park. Yeah, so the dinosaurs are the interest. And so the way that they highlight them when you release them does feel really, really cool. Um, but yeah, like I say, the first time was really cool. Every time you get a new dinosaur, uh, like a, a brand new dinosaur, watching the first release is really interesting because it is very cinematic. It's like, you know, the the raptors come out and they make their little like creaky voice call thing. And, mm. you know, like they look really intimidating and they look super cool. But once you've made 20 raptors, like you don't want to watch that anymore. Right. So mm. it does get a little bit repetitive. But still, it's cool that they that they put that level of detail in because the dinosaurs are the highlights. Right. So. Well, There's I'm, some cool parts, but it's good. It, I think it's skippable. I do think it's skippable unless it's like right up your alley. Like it is like for me, I'm a fan of both theme park simulation games and Jurassic Park. So it's yeah. more up my alley than most. And even then, like, I'm kind of sad that I paid full price. <laughs> it, it's a bummer. But, you know, I, I was really interested in it because I do love Jurassic Park and I and I like the idea of, of designing my own Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. And, and maybe when it goes on sale, it'll be at a time when when there is time to play it and I'll 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 chew on it then. But uh, it's, it's well, just yeah. disappointing when a game, you know, gets released and it's based on a lot of people's favorite franchise and it just doesn't quite live up to the potential that it could be. And yeah, it is a little frustrating. That's all. And like Josh says in the chat room that he's really enjoying the game and it's too expensive for the game that it is, but he's still enjoying it. And I'm going to continue playing it. I'm going to play through the missions and I'm going to have a decently good time. Um, But if you're but I also know that this game is right up my alley. So if you're not a fan of Jurassic Park or you're not a fan of theme park simulation games, like definitely don't get this. And I think even then you guys should be waiting for a sale to pick this up and give it a try because it is at full price. It's it's just too, too much. So, um, but yeah, so that's, that's Jurassic world evolution in a nutshell. I wanted to remind everybody, you can go over to patreoncom slash the gamers in. If you'd like to support the show game night is supposed to be next week, but unfortunately we are below our goal. So if you enjoy the show that we put out every week, and if you enjoy coming and playing with us, games on game night then please do go over to patreon.com slash gamers in and support us you can also go and join our community at billy slash tgi discord there's a lot of cool conversation going on right now especially around e3 which was this week which is going to be our uh, topic of the week this week we're going to do all of our e3 2018 coverage because (laughs) we didn't actually do live coverage this year and i think both ryan and i it was because i was traveling but i think both ryan and i are very 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 happy that we didn't do e3 coverage because it was a little bit of a quieter year but uh Uh, yeah before we get too deep into that we do have a patron ad this week uh ryan do you want to take it away of course, this week's patron ad comes from Simon. Weekly News Desk is a podcast all about the geek news this week. Join your two knucklehead hosts, Andrew and Simon, as they keep you informed on movies, TV, video games, and books. Find them on iTunes or at weeklynews.com. And so that does bring us to our topic of the week this week, like as I mentioned, is E3 2018. So we're going to go through kind of our general overarching thoughts on the major conferences. So we basically got Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, so those kind of big three. Then we had conferences from Ubisoft, Square Unix, and Bethesda that we're going to cover. And then also uh, Ryan has added odds and ends as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, we've got some stuff to go over. First of all, we'll talk Microsoft. The only comment I had for Microsoft was meh. 
the uh, the kind of like the only thing that I would have been super duper interested in was uh, Sea of Thieves, and Sea of Thieves didn't really um, they didn't announce show anything. Much. They didn't show much. They didn't announce anything that we didn't already know was coming. So, oh. I mean, uh, Sea of Thieves in general. I don't want to say it tanked, but it kind of fell off pretty quickly. It didn't live up to a lot of expectations. Speaking of games, it didn't live up to expectations. And uh, they had their first major content update, which was rushed because the original game had like really great surge in popularity at the beginning and then fell off very quickly once the first pirate legend was revealed and what was actually behind all that rep grinding was shown to us and it was basically nothing. Um, so people people stopped playing the game really quickly. Then they had their first major content update that was rushed out and it wasn't as major as a lot of people were expecting. So um, as interesting and as great of a base game as Sea of Thieves is, it's definitely not holding very much attention. And uh, basically what was announced at E3 is stuff that we already knew was coming. All we really got was a cinematic that was mm -hmm. just like, this is introducing us to the idea visually of what the next two expansions are going to be. But we got, uh, if you have actually been following Sea of Thieves closely, we got a content map and what's coming for and, you know, dates and everything else. We got that about a month ago. Hmm. So, uh, so yeah, there, there wasn't really anything new from Microsoft that was really interesting to me at all. Although that's because I have like literally no interest in Halo. They did talk about Halo. So Ryan, go ahead. <sighs> So here's the thing, like, I don't want people who love their Xbox to to write in and, and, and give us give us heck because I do love my Xbox. I love my Halos and my Gears and all that fun stuff. So they did start the conference with Halo Infinite, which was basically an announcement for the future of the Halo franchise in a very general way. Uh, it was more engine announcements. So their new engine, Slip Space, is going to power Halo. They're go they've gone back to the original trilogy sort of art style uh it has been confirmed to be a sequel to halo 5 so it's essentially the completion of that trilogy it's halo it is halo 6 but they're calling it halo infinite um uh, old art style it looks really cool but we don't know we don't have much to go on only that it will be out on xbox one and it is called halo infinite and uh i guess they've been trying to move away from the numbers uh, the numbers game for with Halo 5. That's why they tacked on Guardians. So this is Halo Infinite. Mm. No word on when it's coming, which uh, same with Gears 5. Both those games I'm super stoked about, but without a release date, you know, I'm, I'm more and more leaning towards um, when you show me something, if there's no release date, I get excited and then I quickly realize like, oh, well, there's no context to when I should, you know, you know, aim my excitement so what's the point in kind of getting really hyped up about something that's that that could be years away so mm -hmm. halo infinite this is a this is a trailer for an engine a concept yeah um the game is being built don't get me wrong but it's years away you know um gears 5 look to be a bit more um developed so this could be easily a 2019 title but again it's it's gears of war 5 if if you're not into gears of war Gears of War Five ain't gonna ain't gonna change yeah. your mind. Um, they're doing well, some that, interesting stuff. I think that was kind it, of though. the thing. Mm -hmm. I I felt like um, with Microsoft specifically, there seemed to be a lot of announcements of sequels or series continuings or whatever, mm -hmm. 
And if you're not interested in those franchises, which I'm sure is probably true for a lot of these conferences, but it's just like there didn't seem to be a new exclusive IP that I was like super into. Do you know what I mean? Like there's nothing coming to the Xbox specifically that I'm really excited about. And more entries into franchises like Halo and Gears meh <laughs> I, and that's a that, I, I really want like well i wanted sea of thieves to be amazing but mm-hmm. i i wanted some like new ip or a fable announcement or something so like an announcement in a franchise that i enjoy and i understand there's a lot of people who are going to be really excited about gears and halo but those don't do it for me what does it for me is is fable and mm, they teased there it. was no there was no fable announcement and again like you like you mentioned with infinite and gears 5 like when it's just a tease when there is no a release date when there's nothing really concrete it's just like i can't get excited about that because mm. this could be something that's coming in 2022 it could be Who for cares? the next console that they teased yeah. in in the pre- I, you didn't watch the whole i didn't watch the whole I, press conference yeah. Um, I had to jump out about an hour in because this was an hour and 45 minutes long. And mm. the most exciting thing I saw was the first two minutes. And I'm like, okay, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. And then it's like, Ashley's like, okay, it's dinner time. And I'm like, crap. Okay, I got to go. And I was kind of watching off the side of my desk. And, and don't get me wrong. They announced a lot of third-party exclusives or third-party titles that weren't exclusive that people got excited about. I mean, we don't need to run through them all because, again, they don't, they, don't, they don't really hit high on my list. But... Um, they did announce a buying a bunch of studios, but I've heard a lot of people say like, well, that's more for the Xbox, the next Xbox, as opposed to this mm. Xbox. And, you know, uh, Phil Spencer teased playground games is working on Forza Horizon four is basically the only game that they exclusive that they announced for this holiday. So we're going to have another quiet Xbox holiday, which is very disappointing, mm. um, in that I haven't, well, bought, again, I, like it's, it's Forza I don't play racing games. I'm mm. not excited about that franchise. And it's number four in a franchise. So uh, like what I was looking for was like <laughs> the next Sea of Thieves in that like I was looking for the next Xbox exclusive new IP and sure. it just it wasn't well, there. It, they not. I don't think anybody really had that across the board for this year. Uh, there yeah. was a lot of there was a lot of talk about new games, but there were uh, the new IPs, the new experiences were at least a year out and and with xbox specifically that you know they teased with playground games the guys who were making forza that they were working on a new open world game and you know a lot of people feel that that is pointing to a new fable like a rebooted fable which is nice but they didn't show anything they just teased it now it is a they are a uk studio gamescom is a great place to give that its own yeah. light so maybe at gamescom we get a fable reveal but we just I love my Xbox. I like Microsoft. I dig what they're doing with Game Pass, but I just, it's disappointing when I have this $400 giant VCR on my, on my, on my desk, just not, not running, you know? Um, it's, it's disappointing. Um, I wish I was into Forza. I'm not, um, the Horizon games are probably more up my alley, but really I just, I don't know. The UK seems like a step backwards when it comes to Australia. They did Australia the last one and, I think it was Australia. Anyways, just, I don't know. Great Britain's great and all, but. <laughs> uh, so then next up we had Sony, which had um, 
The weirdest conference ever. I was going to say, yeah, it was probably out of all of them, the oddest conference. Um, basically, out of all of it, Spider-Man is the thing that looks the coolest. We've seen yeah. so much out of Spider-Man, but um, like just in, in kind of information that we've had leading up to E3, I don't really think that there was anything brand spanking new that we learned about Spider-Man at E3, but it no. was just kind of more like, it's coming. It's going to be great. It's out in September, so like yeah. you don't really want to tease too much, but they did show some more sort of open world, uh, not open world, but like uh, kind of set piece swinging where you're at this prison and it ends with a cliffhanger of, of Spider-Man looking to get his buttocks kicked. And uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a real Sinister Six vibe going on at the top of that uh, that epic climax there uh, to the trailer. So... Yeah, I mean, Spider-Man comes out in September. We won't have long to wait. It does look fantastic, and I'm hearing very excellent things about it, so that's exciting. I felt like, and I don't know a whole lot about Spider-Man. Basically, what I know about Spider-Man is from the Marvel movies, Mm -hmm. and the I guess before that, they were those standalone Tobey Maguire things. So, like, I don't know too, (laughs) too much about Spider-Man, but... Uh, at least the most recent incarnation of him in the Marvel universe with the kind of like quick one-liner type sense of humor. I got a lot of that from the trailers and I, I really, really liked it. Like it just, it felt right to me. So it seems like they're, they're doing right by Spider-Man in this, uh, in this video game. So I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be really good. Um, the thing that I'm not excited about and I'm so sick and tired of the internet getting excited about this game right. is freaking Death Stranding. Like, it looks weird. We've seen nothing. Everyone is losing their freaking minds, and I don't understand why. The only thing that actually looked like it might have been in-game gameplay was, like, you were walking around like a freaking pack mule in Awkwardly. one scene. And then in the next scene, you were, like, you had this weird, like, light flappy thingy over top of your shoulder which we have seen before and it was like stealth without actually like hiding and it just looks super boring (laughs) you guys and we don't even 100% know what the gameplay mechanics of this game are going to be this is now the third E3 that we've had these just like weird trailers right that tell us nothing about the game so I just I'm just sick of it I just don't want to see anything more of this title I don't understand the hype. I don't understand. It just feels like a whole lot of hype over nothing just because of the fact that Kojima is doing it. Yeah. And it has Daryl from Walking Dead in it. I But I don't understand the hype at all. And I've just, I'm over it now. I'm done. I thought we might actually get more concrete, like, gameplay at this E3. Because, like I said, this is the third E3 conference now where we've just got a whole hell of nothing. I don't know. Am I am I alone here, Ryan? Uh, you're not alone. I, I maybe I don't as vehemently agree with you that it's like I'm over it. I, I I'm still interested to see what it is, and and I'm glad that people like it. But I agree, it's a bit, it's a bit much over nothing. I mean, the the trailers are incredibly weird, and I'm not one of those like artsy fartsy people who gets. Yes, the meaning of eating a weird caterpillar human baby, uh, you know, in the trailer. It's just like. That's just uh, that's just gross, you know. And I, I, I mean, when they when they finally cut to the gameplay of of uh, a lot of characters walking around with various different packs on on their 
on their backs, I was like, that does that doesn't look good, guys. Like that, mm-hmm. a it doesn't look fun, and b it just it it looked pretty rough, um, animation wise, like kind of mm-hmm. stilted. Just a really, I, I'm all for people loving stuff, and I'm not gonna poo poo this game just because. But but alas, like I think people are really stoked because it is Hideo Kojima being able to do hideo kojima like they cut him a blank check and said make it exclusive and i will put as many zeros as you'd like you know um so by that process sony knows they have a hit on their hands because they they are selling this as absolute creative freedom to the craziest game developer that ever lived so Mm -hmm. like by that experiment alone we should be excited to just sit back and watch whatever unfolds we don't have to buy it we don't have to play it but we can sit back and enjoy the festivities is i think how we need to i look guess at this like game. what my what my kind of feelings and my point are with death stranding is it mm-hmm. feels like nothing's unfolding to me oh it isn't because it still looks to me like it's the same sort of stuff it's the it's the handprints in the ground with the black goo that i feel like we've been seeing for a while now it's like i said that flat that flappy light thing over his shoulder like we saw that last year like the weird baby sack. <laughs> That's something we've seen before too. Like it cool. just, it felt like we didn't really see anything new. We didn't see a whole lot of progression. We don't know what the game even is in terms of mechanics. Like, is it a shooter? Is it a role playing game? Is it like first person, third person, seek around, <laughs> stealth something? Like we literally don't know what it is. And everyone's losing their minds, and I just don't understand. And I feel like at this point, we should know more. And I mm-hmm. get that it's cool that they are investing in the weirdest developer of all time and giving him freedom. <laughs> That's great. Right. And yeah, ping pong beat in the chat room. It's going to be Battle Royale. <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be that would be amazing. That reminds that me. We totally forgot. Like, smacking each other with the baby sacks or something <laughs> uh, well I, you know you mentioned that there's not you know not a lot of reference to what the story is and there isn't but there's there's hints as to like what the baby could be some are saying that's just oh no it. i don't it's give all... a i don't give a flying f about okay. what the story is but oh, i'm talking about, about literally like gameplay mechanics i feel like at this mm. point because this is like the 33 where we've had these like weird ass teaser trailers but at some point we should at least be given an idea of what the game mechanic is going to be. And we don't really know what it is at all. I don't care what the story is. Like, the story is going to be weird. It's going to be mind-bending. It's going to be probably pretty cool. But if it doesn't have a mechanic that I want to play, I can't get excited about it. And we still don't know what that is. But everyone, like, there seems to be so much hype around this game with no one even knowing what kind of a game it is. <laughs> mm. Well, I don't know. Anyways, I, I mean, we don't yeah. have, we don't have to talk about it anymore. We don't want. I I think I, I'm I'm on the same page in that like I'm happy to see where it where it leads. I'm not necessarily fussed about knowing every single detail about it uh, because it's just not it's not a game for for us. It sounds like, but yeah. uh, I, I noticed you didn't put it in here. Uh, but Last of Us Part Two was shown off with a with um sort of a, an interesting setup where. It started with a country dance. Uh, supposedly, you know, life has has settled a little bit for our apocalyptic survivors. This is a, a few years into the future, 
And then as she's dancing with her lady friend, she remembers a time when she brutally murdered a bunch of people. Like, brutally. And, like, the animations look fantastic, but I I don't... It's just a little a little too violent for... It's a little too violent. I don't know if you got... Did you watch The Last of Us 2 trailer at all, or...? So, yeah, no, I did. I watched... Uh, I did watch The Last of Us 2, and... What I didn't do was play Last of Us, so right. I didn't know if that was more or less brutal or more or less violent than the first one. But yeah, there was the one scene of the guy hanging with the other guys around him, and then like mm-hmm. he gets his gut sliced open and stuff, and all his intestines are like. That's pretty. Ugh. It's it, it's more like the first one had obviously the. It had some some moments that were definitely gruesome. There were there were zombies involved, so there was some some tearing and some biting that left a, a bit a bit too much for the uh, imagination. But really, there wasn't a whole lot of you know brutal more brutal murder than than you would expect in a, in a video game. But in this, they kind of really show quite a bit more than I'm comfortable with or used to, for that matter. And I, I don't think anybody should really get dis- you know, get used to this type of stuff. Desensitized. Yeah. Thank you. It, it's, it just felt like they were, you know, I guess it's a brutal world and that's fine. But like, I'm never going to cheer when like a, you know, a teenager takes a, mach- a machete to another person's neck. Like that's not. Yeah. The other thing I thought was a little bit weird is I thought last of us was, I mean, maybe zombies is the wrong word for them, but they're basically like infected humans. Right. Mm hmm. Everything that they showed in the trailer looked like regular humans to me. So is that what she was doing? Was she killing regular humans? Or she was do killing the... regular humans. Those, yeah. There were no zombies in this trailer. And, and okay. uh, you know, uh, Ping Pong Pete in the chat room is, is reminding me. Maybe it wasn't her remembering something, but it was a glimpse into the future as she was wearing uh, the other girl's bracelets. So, yeah, I thought that the dance hmm. was like the past. Okay. Well, I, I mean, there was it was just weird it was a weird sort of bookend and, and um, they, it seems like they did that only to show sort of these two characters interactions. Um, and I think they could have done it a little better besides like bookending these, these sweet moments, mm. uh, you know, bookending a, this just brutal, brutal murder. We still don't know about the other main character, Joel, where he is. They reference him. Um, I believe in the past tense. Uh, but, but again, it's hard to pick up on. Yeah, I definitely got the feeling that um, Last of Us 2 has nothing to do with him. Like, this is, um, is it Ellie? Ellie, yeah. Ellie, yeah. It very much felt like it was Ellie's story, and the other character is just, like, gone for whatever reason. He was the father figure to her. Like, the whole reason she's still around is because of him. Um, that's the story of the first one is your, mm-hmm. your, your journey. You're protecting her, right? Yeah. And, and that's the main component to the last of us. So I, I mean, there's probably a story reason for Joel not being involved and you're right. They're focusing on Ellie that she is the playable character. And I got to say the game looks fantastic. The animations are out of this world. I don't think I've seen anything this fluid and this sort of, you know, mechanically fluid in that, like when you're picking up you know, weapons and bow and arrows, like an inventory, you're picking up the collection of three arrows and you're putting them in your inventory. And then you're there, you're physically seeing three arrows being Mm. put into your quiver. And like, that's, 
insane because usually in video games you just it's the standard animation of you bend down pick up and then bloop, bloop, you've got three yeah. arrows in your inventory so that was really really it'll be interesting to see if they can the pull attention off, to detail was was definitely there through for the sure. roof yeah 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 um but they also showed resident evil 2 that was a nice surprise as a as a fan of that franchise to see them remaking one of the earlier uh games that's really exciting now you also mentioned here Kingdom Hearts, which again, alongside Death Stranding, I am not a Kingdom Hearts person. And is it just me, or were all the trailers featuring Kingdom Hearts missing sound? It just felt so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. So I've never played Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who have played Kingdom Hearts seem to be really excited about this, but so I. I don't understand Kingdom Hearts and the universe and how the game plays. The gameplay that they showed did look pretty fun, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's basically a mashup of all like the Disney Pixar characters. So you've got like characters like Rapunzel and Elsa from Frozen and the Pirates of the Caribbean, like. I don't know. I was like, so all these Disney franchises <laughs> are mashing up together. Uh, with this anime guy and they're doing stuff <laughs> like what actually is happening right now <laughs> uh, and there's like j-pop playing in the background and really uh, terrible yeah, English and you're voice right acting. like the, like and i don't want to i don't want to criticize the voice acting without actually being more familiar with the franchise but it did seem like you're right some of the maybe not even not the voice acting specifically but just like the character's lines it did seem really awkward and like they weren't having conversations with each other. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't know. It just, it did. It seemed really weird and really awkward and yeah, nothing really seemed to flow. <laughs> I know a lot of people really, 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 really love this franchise and they're super stoked that it's coming back with a third entry. And I don't want to stomp on people's, you know, love interests. And uh, I'm happy for, I'm happy for people that are excited about this, but it, it just didn't, it, it's not it didn't stick out to me as uh i was never a sony person so this was a sony franchise and i the first console i purchased that was a sony platform was the ps3 and uh the original kingdom hearts came out on the ps2 and it's just it was never a franchise that i i picked up on and and uh i'm also not a big final fantasy guy i love disney um not yeah, so much into he- pirates but PS4 yeah. is my uh, it was my first PlayStation. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like I was very much a Microsoft person for the longest time. And so I missed out on so much Sony. So I've literally never played a Kingdom Hearts or even seen a Kingdom Hearts game. So this was totally new for me. And the familiarity of the Disney characters would probably be enough to pull me in. But I don't understand the overarching concept of a kingdom hearts game i guess so i don't understand how they got into this crazy mashup world or maybe what the point of the game is and what the story is going to be overall so to me it just looked weird and awkward and like i mean at some point they kind of come across i i think it's like olaf and then they're like are these friends of yours and he was like well no i do not know who these people are and it just seems so weird and like just the pacing of the conversations was odd. So I don't know. I'm 
reserving judgment for this. I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to do a little bit more research into what Kingdom Hearts is as a franchise and Mm -hmm. maybe give some of the earlier games a try because I do know people who like Kingdom Hearts like really like Kingdom Hearts. There's a a pretty hardcore fan base for this. So I feel like I'm just missing something here. So I think I need to go and do some research and and play the earlier games and, and get more into the whole just Sony world uh, mm-hmm. before I really give this a, a, a thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, that's kind of where I stand on it. I was hoping that you had played Kingdom Hearts so that we could talk a little no. bit more about it. But um, yeah, that was that was kind of Sony's big everything from them. Uh, then we had Nintendo. Nintendo did uh, a Nintendo Direct thing, which I've, I've really been enjoying Nintendo Direct. I feel like the other um, presentations in a lot of cases were really cringy, really hard to watch, trying too hard, and then Nintendo just comes out and is like, okay, straight to the point, we're going to do this for 45 minutes, everyone else is pushing it to an hour and a half, we're going to get in, get out, tell you what you need to know, boom. And uh, I mm-hmm. I was really impressed with the Nintendo conference, the Nintendo Direct that they did, and like I, I, I thought it was great. Um, they introduced us to the new Mario Party this coming, it looks super fun. Yeah. They did a really cool thing with two switches that I thought looked really interesting where they were like laying out the map for the battleground and they were moving the switches around each other and creating a two screen wide battleground. That was a super cool mechanic. And I had no idea that the switches could interact like that. Well, so the way I they... that was a really cool reveal to me. Yeah. And the way they kind of approximated is they situate it and then they drew a line across both screens so basically what the game does is it sees where your input ends and where your input starts on the next screen and it approximates how much space is there for your people to to traverse Mm -hmm. honestly a really cool way of using the fact that a lot of people will have like if you have two people with two switches they both have mario party you've got four controllers you've got Mm -hmm. two screens that's a really neat use of the switch console um I mean, that's that's kind of leave it. You have to leave it to Nintendo. Like they've always been the best at using their own hardware, both from just a straight up uh, horsepower to to just using as much of the of the utilities as possible. Um, It it was really neat to see for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I felt like uh, the Mario Party was a really cool announcement out of Nintendo. But the really big Nintendo news, I mean, They talked a little bit more about Pokemon, which um, we kind of saw all the big Pokemon news uh, a couple weeks ago. So I felt like there was nothing really new in terms of the Pokemon, unless I missed something. No, it was just basically a reminder that, hey, this is coming out in November. This is coming, Um, yeah. Everything that Nintendo announced prior to Smash was sort of 2018, confirming 2018 titles and basically saying, here's what's coming out now. Uh, The only 2019 title that they showed was the new Fire Emblem. Um, mm-hmm. obviously stoked about that. We talked about it on Summoner's Call and, you know, tried to, you know, squeeze as much information out of that, uh, out of that two minute trailer. Lots of cool stuff there. But again, spring 2019, even though it was promised in 2018, but you know, that's their normal window. But yeah, then, then the direct just like unapologetically says, doesn't even say just transitions in, into Smash Brothers. And I kind of wish they would have said like, Hey, if you don't like Smash Brothers, you're more than welcome to, to yeah jet. you can leave now yeah we're just because it was literally the whole entire second mm-hmm. half of the nintendo direct was 
a super deep dive into the Smash news. And I love Smash Brothers, so I was totally cool with that. But I could just hear the people writing tweets about like, is this literally what they're going to talk? Yeah, I mean, I get it. I I just I kind of like watched the first couple of minutes of it and then was like, okay, I'm really not big into Smash. So a lot of this nitty gritty is going way over my head. So I just kind of started skipping forward because thankfully I was watching it after the fact. I wasn't watching it live. So um, I just kind of kept skipping and seeing more and more Smash. And I got all the way to the end and I was like, oh, all right. I just saved myself like 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And but, uh, the biggest yeah, stuff the th- that they announced was the first three minutes for Smash where they, mm-hmm. they confirmed every single character <laughs> that yeah. has been in a Smash Brothers game. And that's kind of what everybody wants but is too afraid to seriously ask for um (laughs) you know when they when they make sequels to fighting games everybody has their favorite character and everybody when everybody puts together their favorite character it's like well that's every character that was in the last game so the question always becomes do you just want me to make the old game again Uh, because i can do that but then that doesn't satisfy people who are like well, no, I want that more. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that they confirmed every character is coming back, kudos to them. Check that box. That's awesome. I'm super stoked about that. But like, I also was like unapologetically being like, yeah, but what's new? <laughs> even though even though all the characters coming well, there back, was, I felt there, super there was selfish. that big um, like dragony kind of character, yeah. right? Rid- Who Ridley, was the boss? Yeah, Ridley's bad or Ridley's new. Um, they, you know, obviously the Inklings are brand new, which is awesome. Uh, also, they they announced Daisy proper was going to be in the game. So don't get me wrong. I am super excited about Smash Brothers Ultimate. And I'm really excited that they're able to put all the old characters in, including Snake, who was is kind of stuck in the Konami vault ever since Hideo Kojima had kind of exited that company so it's great that they got him back with the original voice actor all the third party characters ryu uh sonic they're all there pac-man it's kind of just exciting to see nintendo be like okay we're gonna give you what you want uh plus plus we're gonna we're gonna throw (laughs) new characters in dlc is something we've looked at in the past so they've already stated that like look don't expect a bunch of new characters at launch we're we're focusing on uh, some new characters bringing back old characters some of these characters haven't been around since the gamecube days so like to fans of the franchise who have played every game in the smash franchise remembering that ice climbers have have been out of the franchise since the wii um you know is is it's exciting to see them back you know uh snake being gone since the since the wii the wii version wasn't received very well so like characters that were added there but dropped for the wii u version it's it's great to, and they're revisiting all this all the move sets for all these characters so like they're putting it a lot of work does, yeah and it does sound because it's it's called ultimate right mm-hmm. so and it really does sound like because i know um for what little i know about smash and the esports scene and the fighting game scene they have more versions of smash played at esport lan events than anything else Mm -hmm. like everything else seems to have like one version a definitive edition a definitive patch or whatever but they have literal tournaments for like all the different smash games and i'm wondering by bringing in all the characters that they've ever made and bringing together all these franchises and revisiting all these move sets if this is nintendo's way 
of trying to make a definitive esport edition of Smash. And I'm sure that there's always going to be people that will play those older versions and like some of them even still play on like CRT screens and all that kind of stuff. Like they're super hardcore about it. Yeah. But I'm wondering if this is Nintendo's way of kind of like putting an esport foot forward. Uh, I think it's it's the strongest you know notion they've had without without being like we're creating we're this is we're this is going to be esports guys like the, they already know Smash Brothers is a popularity among esport fans so um, creating a version that sort of speaks to all masters of the franchise uh, is is exciting and and um, I know that they're trying to add and remove certain things that have frustrated folks who who loved Melee and. And, uh, you know, as Kearney is saying in the chat room, it's hard to replicate a game that was originally popularized on the GameCube. But the fact that they have continued support for GameCube controllers, actually, I saw that uh, the pre-orders just went live for another set of GameCube controllers and the adapter. So Nintendo feels very strongly about Smash Brothers being this, this franchise that appeases old fans and new ones alike in the sense that they're not afraid to change characters like zelda has a brand new redesign based on a link between worlds which they easily just could have put the breath of the wild uh skin on her and called it a day but no they Mm -hmm. kind of revisited her and 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 changed her up because she's always been based off of the ocarina style you know zelda so that's exciting and and yeah it's just i i love smash brothers because it's nintendo at its best where it's just having a grand old time smashing all their their franchises together and and they're unapologetic about how like nerdy and fan servicey this thing is they literally spent 25 minutes of a 45 minute presentation talking solely about one game in such a nitty gritty minute just super detailed way and that only nintendo would have the balls to do that <laughs> like it's crazy Fair enough. Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty much Nintendo Direct. Like we mentioned, it was mostly Smash news. So if you're into that, go and watch it because there's no way we're going to cover or understand all of the news that they gave us about the new Smash game. But that is coming. Uh, it is this year, right? It's uh, it's December seventh. Oh, December. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it is. It's it's coming this year. You guys can look forward to that if you're into Smash. Um, the next conference that we are going to cover is Ubisoft. So. This one showed us uh, a lot of really interesting projects, I thought. Um, And I'm interested to hear, because I don't think we saw anything about it in the Nintendo conference, but we are getting a DLC for Mario and Rabbids. And I know that you played that game. Mm -hmm. I know um, Matt played that game as well, so I saw a whole bunch of it. I mostly watched him as opposed to playing it myself. But uh, there's going to be a Donkey Kong DLC that looks really cool to the point that I didn't realize at first it was a DLC. I thought it was its own like standalone game because it seems like there's new enemies with new mechanics. There's new bosses like Donkey Kong is the character instead of Mario. I literally thought this was that like the only thing that made me like kind of realize that it was a DLC was because the hashtag that they showed in the top right corner of the conference was Mario Rabbids, not like DK Rabbids or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like there was no (laughs) indication or they were indicating that it was part of the Mario Rabbids game, mm-hmm. but it looked like it was enough content that it could have potentially just been its own standalone game. 
Yeah, it's uh, they they spent the last year working on it, and it's exciting to see that they've sort of taken the you know Donkey Kong is related to the Mario franchise in in a very you know connected but not so connected way ever since the rare games took over Don- or mm-hmm. when those rare rare games came out for donkey kong it sort of split off into its own sort of donkey kong country world yeah. and with this they they take donkey kong as a character they add one of our favorite rabbits from the original game which is uh, peach rabbit and yeah. they do a uh, cranky kong rabbit as well um and that's your three you know main folks and it's exciting to to see them take another chance with a whole new world because i was worried it was going to take a whole you know a whole sequel to get another sort of take on this combined world that actually mm-hmm. worked out quite well uh, so yeah this comes out in a couple weeks so we'll i'll have some thoughts on it before the end of end of june for sure good i'm excited because it like i said it looks really really cool mm-hmm. um the other thing that we saw which i think i'm probably most excited about is the new assassin's creed and i know what that i didn't give the last assassin's creed a whole lot of time mm-hmm. and i was pretty harsh on it you were but um different studio for this one i would imagine so since the last one came out yeah they said they've been working on it for three years and it's based in ancient Greece, which is like probably my favorite of all favorite historical times. But you liked Egypt too, though, right? I did. I'm not but... trying to poke holes in this. I <laughs> no, want no, you no, to love no. it. I'm just saying. Um, but I mean, I just I don't know. There's something about Odyssey that looks more interesting to me, and. Mm. The gameplay that they showed looked really good. The story that they told with the stuff that they showed looked really good. And that was my big problem with the Egypt stuff is where it threw you in at the start of the story. First of all, I didn't love the mechanics. Like the even though I've played the other Assassin's Creed games, the mechanics in the Egypt game, which for some reason I'm totally blanking on what the actual name of that Assassin's Creed one was. But Origins. Origins. Thank you. Um, For some reason, the actual mechanics and controls of that game felt really clunky to me. And then where they threw you into the story, I also felt like it didn't make a lot of sense and it didn't really grab me. So um, what they showed for Odyssey looked very intriguing and looked really smooth. I loved the like combat on horseback and the like mercenary mechanic which i don't remember being in origins although again i didn't get very far in origins so it just it seems like there's a couple of different points that they're hitting with odyssey that weren't hit with origins like i said different developer i'm pretty sure so uh yeah i'm i'm excited about assassin's creed odyssey i love greek god stuff i love greek mythology so i think this is going to be pretty cool That being said, it is just another Assassin's Creed. It's another entry into the franchise. And I haven't Mm -hmm. played an Assassin's Creed all the way through and absolutely loved an Assassin's Creed all the way through since Black Flag. So I'm hoping Odyssey is kind of a return to that. And they did show some uh, like water exploration and maritime ship stuff, too. So I don't think they had that in Egypt. Unless you were no, obviously the Nile, right? Yeah, (laughs) but uh, but yeah, so I feel like odyssey might be ticking more boxes for me than origins did so i i'm at least excited about this <laughs> yeah no I, i'm um 
tempted by it. I, I love the Assassin's Creed franchise and I effectively, you know, avoided Origins for, for good or uh, for good or, or bad. I don't know why I did. I just, it didn't, there was a lot going on that week. There was, yeah. Um, but Beyond Good and Evil 2 was also, we got another cinematic trailer for that one. That game looks so far away from now that I'm, I'm excited that it looks so great, but it's it's uh it just looks too fantastic like what what is that game gonna play like when it comes out it does look really really big and it's mm-hmm. like super duper alpha still but the one thing i wanted to touch on with beyond good and evil 2 which i think is really really cool and really really interesting is the partnership that they've done with hit record and okay. this is a company that i didn't even realize existed but it's basically for creators. It's a platform to use for collaboration. So it's not just a, this is my work, I'm going to promote it platform. It's a, like, I have some song lyrics. I want to work with someone who's going to write the melody or whatever. Um, so it's it's a collaborative platform. And they've partnered with Ubisoft to basically flesh out the world of Beyond Good and Evil 2 which I think is really, really cool. They're basically like crowdsourcing stuff like graffiti that's going to go on walls, content that's going to go on radio stations. And this is why, like Ryan, you said this seems like it's years away. Like it does seem like they're they're trying to build and flesh out their world. And it probably is absolutely years away because it seems like this is just a huge project and a huge undertaking. But this is the first time I feel like a game company has done something like this where they've allowed fans because beyond good and evil is something that I've never played before. But um, again, seems to be one of those franchises that like has super duper hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. So it's allowing those fans to get their work put into a video game, which I think is really, really cool. So I wanted to mention that this project was happening in case, Anyone listening to the sound of my voice is actually a fan of Beyond Good and Evil or is a creator of any kind. Because like I said, they're looking for like voice content. They're looking for music content. They're looking for art. They're looking for all kinds of stuff to flesh out the world. So if you guys are interested, go take a look and see uh, and, you know, try to maybe be part of your one of your favorite franchises. I think it's really cool. Yeah, it's a neat, neat concept. I kind of missed out on that as I did not watch the Ubisoft conference live, but there were moments in the in the conference that were that I caught, including the Donkey Kong sort of live orchestra, as well as the um, the Star uh, Starlink stuff with the sort of the amiibo esque build your own ships and put them in the game, mm-hmm. where they they announced that uh, Star Fox was going to be guesting in the in the Switch version, and they kind of gifted Miyamoto uh, an R wing replica, and and that was really delightful to see. I, I'm not I, I'm not super into the idea of spending a hundred dollars on a video game and then, and then having to spend even more money on, I, I, I would like to get the base version and then maybe the R wing and, and, you know, call it a day, but, uh, I haven't seen the costs of those yet. So it'd be, mm-hmm. I think the base version is a hundred dollars Canadian and that doesn't include the R wing. So the Starlink stuff yeah. looked cool and it's developed right out of Toronto here. So that's kind of neat as well. But um, yeah, I very much glossed over that because I think that was shown in two or three different conferences and I didn't really pay too much attention to it for the exact same reason that you just said. Like, I feel like that's going to fall into the realm of uh, Disney Infinity and Skylanders, like 
the thing where you buy the base game mm-hmm. and then it's enhanced by real life toys. And I don't have any interest in games like that because like you said, yeah. it's just, it's such a huge investment. I'm but not at all a fan look of really cool. At yeah. least with like when you replace things on your model, then it gets translated into the mm-hmm. game in a really cool. It looked like an instant like feedback thing, which mm-hmm. looked really cool. So, I mean, it looks really neat if you're into that, but it's not for me because it's a huge money investment that I just I don't have any interest in (laughs) yeah i'm not at all a fan of the toys to life genre at all so i just yeah not at all um but yeah no it looks really cool but yeah ubisoft had a pretty good showing and and uh um looking forward to seeing what they what they do they didn't announce a new ghost recon game so that was kind of it's like Mm -hmm. whoa self-control um square enix here you've got man again i did not watch the square enix presentation uh but they had tomb reader did Shadow of the Tomb Raider yeah. not uh, pique your interest at all? Well, okay, so I am interested in Tomb Raider. I had a really, really, really good time in the second game. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what they did show of Tomb Raider, because this is a title that's coming out this year. September, yeah. Yeah, and not e- yeah, exactly. It's not even coming out like November, December. It's supposed to be coming in September, which is only a couple of months away. And this game looked really rough. Like oh. the animations were really rough. The renderings were really rough. The textures were basic. I was just like, is this what the game's going to look like when it comes out? Because it looks like it's got another year in development at least. Well, it's... <laughs> so that's what worries me about too. Like I'm excited about huh. another Tomb Raider because I thought the second game was really good. But this one looked pretty rough. And I'm a little bit worried about what it's going to look like on release in September. Interesting. Because I, I guess I just caught bits and pieces of the trailers and I just assumed it, it looked okay. But um, this is by a different developer. This is uh, IDOS Montreal, the guys behind the Deus Ex games. It's not Crystal Dynamics. Uh, Crystal Dynamics is working on a new Avengers game, which was not shown. I thought we would have right. gotten another trailer for that. But alas, it uh, it was not present. But yeah, this is um this is a Batman Origins type scenario where they've they've shopped out the the, the, the franchise to, a, to another party because they put crystal dynamics on the avengers game and they figure well we still need to keep this tomb raider thing rolling so yeah i guess i need to take a closer look i had pre-ordered it for the xbox in the e3 sale so i'll have to maybe take another look at it but i love me some tomb raider and and i guess i was hearing okay things but uh, this is the first i heard it I should take a closer look at it, I guess. Yeah, Um, I just, I mean, like, take a look at the textures in the actual, like, gameplay moments that they show. Because I also felt like they weren't showing too many gameplay moments. Most of what they were showing very much seemed to be, like, the um, cinematics and stuff in between. So, like, make sure, like, pick out the parts that are actually in-game gameplay elements. And then take a look at the textures and then take a look at the um, some of Lara's movements, but more so even just like hair animations and stuff. It just looked really, really, really rough to the point that I feel like there was even one point in the trailer where her hair like disappeared and almost looked like it changed styles or like she lost her ponytail or something. And then it kind of glitched back. And I was like, is this your best? foot forward for a game that's coming out in a couple months because it really looks like you haven't done 
like a final refined animation pass and that makes me a little worried so that's hmm. just i'm i'm a little bit reserved about this because it doesn't look po- as polished and finished as i was as i would expect a game that's coming out this year so i'm a little bit worried but that being said like i am excited about a new entry into the tomb raider franchise because i had a really good time in the second game so I'm hoping it's good, but uh, yeah, that's that was the reason for my meh around Square Enix was the was my reservations about uh, about Team Raider. Well, that's unfortunate, but I mean, not to uh, you know to try not to end on a meh. Let's go on and let's look at something that was kind of a highlight for everybody, which was mm-hmm. Bethesda. Uh, I feel like that was a that was a was a high note, a, a very high note to start on for the E3 press conferences. Um, we all know what you probably were, are most excited about, but we we don't have to jump straight to the end. No, no, we we should leave the end for the end, right where uh, Bethesda announced it. But uh, yeah, they basically talked about uh, there was a presentation of ESO, so they talked a little bit about um, Somerset. And the one thing that I felt um, with the ESO stuff that they were talking about, and they were showing kind of like all the things that players had done, and kind of all the story beats that ESO has hit. And I didn't even realize that it had been named MMO of the year for the last three years. But apparently there's over 11 million players in ESO right now, which I thought was incredible because that is like blowing wow out of the water, like incredible numbers. I don't blame them for bragging about it because it literally blew my mind when when they mentioned that. And I feel like um, with all of the story beats that I see that they've hit, Mm-hmm. With um with Elder Scrolls Online and it, that were highlighted in that video, almost makes me think that I'm playing the wrong MMO, you guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just looking at all the stuff and I was like, wow, I really wish that I had like the time and I had friends in the game that were active because like my guild, my um like my raid teammates, like everybody, they're all so hardcore into Warcraft that I feel like. There's no way I could talk them into switching MMOs like they're just they're too invested in Warcraft and have been for years. But especially with the kind of the story beats that I'm like halfway through the new book that's tying the existing Legion expansion in Warcraft to Battle for Azeroth. I'm really not impressed with their story and their storytelling right now. And I'm kind of just like, man, I I feel like I it almost makes me want to switch and go back because and especially they talked about this at the beginning and so this was literally an an hour and a half before the announcement they made at the end but I was just like I miss playing Elder Scrolls so much that like maybe I should just give in and like because I've dabbled in ESO Mm -hmm. but I mean my character is still like level 20 I I haven't even max leveled my character I haven't done any raids I haven't done any dungeons like I'm just questing and following the quest lines and playing through the story that way so I haven't even done most of the story content in ESO and I really feel like I'm missing out and this conference really put an amazing foot forward for this MMO so Mm -hmm. I, I think that I, I might need to uh, to set some time aside and, and really try to, to dig into ESO a little bit harder and, and see if I can find some people playing it. I know Jim's playing it, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I think that uh, I need to give ESO some more time for sure. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, you've got some time before uh, whatever the Battle for Azeroth. Yeah, I'd forgotten yeah. what it was called for a second there, but yeah, no, ESO is doing quite well. I was, I was surprised that I think they announced two uh dlc mission packs or whatever not the expansions yep. but the packs 
Uh, well, so yeah, that's this, exciting. this goes into all of the, the DLC content that they've been doing in between expansions. Every couple of months, they've been putting like a new dungeon into the game. So that's what the the um, kind of DLCs that they were talking about. These are the smaller um, dungeon experiences that they're talking about. So and again, this it's all content that I haven't played. So, um, yeah, they're they're very they're updating it really frequently. And a lot of people seem to be enjoying it. Even when I was going in and, you know, leveling a new character and when I was checking out Somerset and stuff like the game, there's so many people. There were people in every single zone. I was constantly running into people and I didn't really kind of think about it. But then when they said 11 million players, I was like, oh, that explains it. <laughs> That's why I was literally seeing people everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it's probably it's got to be the second most popular MMO out there, right? Like, although wait 11 million players is it cross play do we know if it's cross play i believe so to a yeah to an extent it would be i suppose i mean there's a whole we didn't touch on this but there's a whole ps4 shabacle going on which isn't a real world word but uh you know with the, the the nintendo switch version of battle royale fortnite uh if you have logged in on your PS4 with your Epic account, it ties those accounts together and forbids you from using that account on any other console. Oh, it's, really? It's kind of insane. Now, this had been the case with the Xbox, but not there. You know, there's such a disparity between. There's not a lot of people who own both an Xbox and a PS4. Um, but the Switch is different. The Switch is like a perfect second console, so a lot of mm-hmm. people own these things. And when they went to play Fortnite on their Switch, they found that their account had been locked out of working on the Switch, including my own. I didn't even buy anything on the PS4. All I did was load it up so my, you know, sister-in-law could play when she came over for Easter. I didn't even, I played like one match and I was like, okay, yeah, Fortnite. But, you know, I wanted to try it on on the Switch and and I'm locked out. And there's Hmm. a huge, like, a huge uproar. And this is another example of Sony sort of, stomping their feet and holding their breath about how they're the they're the top of the you know cock of the walk top of the top of the castle you know type uh you know competitor and they don't have to give in but like eventually they're gonna look like the bad guy here Mm -hmm. and i think they are right now and um you know eso having 11 million players the point was like that's probably split across three platforms but that's that's still 11 million players you know, as, as far as I know, if you if you play on like PlayStation or Xbox, you can play with friends on PC. As far as I know, I yeah. don't think that they're that they've split the audience at all. Um, that would be interesting. Yeah, uh, there's also a Prey update that's available now, I believe, and another one that's coming later on. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, there's lots of really cool stuff that you can do in Prey. That's a title that I feel like. We, we kind of we, we both wanted to play it. But yeah, I feel like it just came out at a time. I guess it was a year ago. And like there was just so, so much that had come out at the time. So yeah, I didn't actually get to play a ton of Prey. But they've uh, they've come out with a bunch of different game modes. And there's more stuff coming that looks really, really interesting. So if you haven't given Prey a chance like we haven't, um, it does seem like they're very much supporting it, very much continuing development on it and putting in, like I said, new game modes. And it's probably worth your time now. And I have seen it go on sale quite a few times. I'm pretty sure I actually picked up because originally when we reviewed it, we only had time to play the demo. And since then, I have picked up the full game. I'm pretty sure I got it for like 60 percent off or something like it has been on some pretty steep sales. So um, mm. I think definitely worth uh, picking up. We then got a whole lot of information about fallout 76 
Mm-hmm. Which, uh, yeah, looks like a, a game whole... that a lot of people will like. Well, yes, but also I feel like there was a lot of negativity around the idea that Fallout 76 is going to be online. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I guess that is a, a thing. For me, I mean, I've loved, I like the Fallout games, but I've never been able to finish one. I never quite stick mm. stick it out. And when I look at this, I was worried, like, okay, is this a, is this a Fallout is this a multiplayer game in the Fallout universe or is this a Fallout game with multiplayer? And I don't think they answered that question for me in the in the conference. They showed more multiplayer interactions where you're working alongside your fellow player in this shared online world. There's no servers, there's no browser, you just you exist in this populated world. And to me, like that's that's not my Fallout. You know, that's the reason I fell so hard out of State of Decay 2 and that it put more emphasis on the co-op interactions and the other player interactions that it forgot the story. And I don't think Fallout 76 is going to forget the story, but I feel like it's what's going to take center stage isn't my favorite aspect about video games, mm-hmm. which is like the, the multiplayer aspect. Um, but well, I could be completely wrong. To be honest, mm-hmm. Fallout 76 reminded me of Sea of Thieves so much. Because the impression that I got is basically like when you log in, you log into Fallout and you have like your player progression and whatever. But like you log into a PvP enabled world. And if you don't have friends, it's going to be really hard. Like if you're not in a party with three other people, you're going to have a bad time. And there's no vets either, right? Huh? Well, there's no VATS. The what made Fallout the Fallout Three and Four so great is that there was the VAT system where you could basically hit pause, target specific body parts or specific enemies, and then the combat would play out in slow motion. And I, I'm assuming that's not there because this is a shared online world. There's it's no a shared world, and it and it very much seemed like uh, because they did say like if you want to play single player, you can play single player. It's going to be single player enabled. But they didn't say you would be on a server on your own. They didn't say it would be PvE only. It. I very much got the impression that you can log into Fallout 76 and you're going to be thrown into a server with, and they did say dozens of players, not hundreds or thousands of players because it is the apocalypse, so they don't want you to be overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. But still, you're going to be put onto a server much like people are in Sea of Thieves, and this was a thing that they really didn't like in Sea of Thieves, in that, like, you could be a solo player and get totally ganked and camped by a team of four, and that's not fun, so... They said you could play offline, though, so it sounds like oh, that's an option. Oh, did they say you could play offline? Oh, I didn't... I missed that. Yeah, they, they said you can play it... Well, they said that you could play it by yourself. And, exactly, and, and that's I, the thing. Yeah. That's not offline. Okay, maybe... You can yeah, maybe log in alone, not in a team, but you're going to be at a huge disadvantage. Because they, I'm uh, like, okay, maybe not 100% sure, 99.9% <laughs> sure that they said this Fallout is online all the time. <laughs> uh, I'm well, pretty sure uh, maybe. that's how they started the whole Fallout conversation. <laughs> it seems so unlike them to to, to force you. But I, again, that may be... Well, maybe... but that's the thing. That's what they, they seem to be. They really emphasize the co-op. They really emphasize being on a team with your friends and how much better it is and how, you know, you make your camps and everything else. And it's it's interesting. And I feel like they're doing a lot of interesting, cool mechanics. I mean, 
you can go and take over nuclear silos and then bomb things like that seems like super fun. But again, it's all having to do with this multiplayer PVP world that if you are a solo player, I think you're going to be super punished. So, yeah, um, yeah Josh is saying it's the impression that he got as well. So I'm I'm pretty sure and they might go back on it and they might create PVE servers that you can go in and just play in by yourself. But they seem to have designed a lot of mechanics around team play and around like trying to disrupt the game of your neighbors, which as someone who hasn't played a lot of Fallout in the past, the Fallout that I have played, this seems like a totally different game with a Fallout skin over top of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. It sounds like it's something they wanted to play around with, and it's not like it's the only thing that teams, you know, that those teams are working on at Bethesda Game Studios. But uh, yeah, Fallout 76, it, it's it's an interesting experiment from a very interesting developer, and I, I applaud them for trying something new. I mean, mm-hmm. we can't fault them for for trying a different direction with a, with a franchise that a lot of people really adore. Because, like, I know we all want them to make Elder Scrolls Six and another RPG at the same time while working on this experiment. But oh wait, we got that too. Um, well, they just and kept that, announcing that was stuff. kind of that was kind of the big news at the end, and the thing that made me happy because I, I'll admit all of the stuff that they talked about with Fallout made me really, really worried. I mean, like. I don't want what they did to Fallout to happen to Elder Scrolls. And they didn't specifically say anything. They Okay, so this is the big announcement at the end, right at the very end, was a new Elder Scrolls. So there is going to be Elder Scrolls 6 that's coming out. They mentioned Starfield, which is their kind of next big project. That's going to be a couple new years IP. away still. Um, but they very specifically said, this is our single player content. So I'm happy that the developer isn't going the way of, say, Blizzard that used to tell really cool single player stories and has gone the way of Hearthstone and Heroes of the Storm and Overwatch and, you know, just the the online all the time multiplayer loot box fiesta that is Blizzard right now. They haven't done that. They're still giving us a single player experience in this Starfield, which is their new IP. It's the first one. And I think he said 20 years. So Starfield, I'm sure, is going to be interesting to a lot of people. And then they said kind of like, and after Starfield comes out, our next project will be Epic Landscape Elder Scrolls 6. That's literally all we got. So they said, you know, like single player content only Starfield and also Elder Scrolls. And I just hope that we don't end up with some sort of online all the time multiplayer Elder Scrolls because that's what ESO is for. I want my like play it by myself screw everybody else i'm the hero elder scrolls mm-hmm. i hope <laughs> yeah elder scrolls 6 was kind of a surprise i would have been happy with just the they they only showed a starfield logo no no gameplay just like just the starfield mm-hmm. oh logo. it was the tease of all teases <laughs> yeah they, we got more of elder scrolls 6 than we did of starfield and elder scrolls <laughs> 6 is farther out than starfield is yeah. and, and again like I think they they also announced um, Doom Eternal, which is the sequel to mm. Doom, which also looks fantastic. It just popped back into my head. We'll get more of that at QuakeCon. Um, but yeah, like to see Bethesda Game Studios go from we're only going to announce something, then release it three months later to say like, yeah, Starfield is happening. That's in a couple of years. Elder Scrolls Six. That's in a couple of years. Like it's almost 
it's it's kind of crazy to see them work that far out but i guess it's just there's been a lot of leaks about uh starfield it's been rumored for over a year now and oh yeah as soon as like because i had the the bethesda one i did watch the whole thing of and i watched um the uh like youtube video or whatever so it had the the chat running beside it and uh so like as soon as he said like oh in a couple years from now we have a new single player ip and the whole chat just erupts starfield 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 and i'm like is this the announcement like what's going on because Mm -hmm. everyone seems to already know what this is and sure enough starfield comes up and i'm like okay Mm-hmm. apparently everyone already knew this but yeah like if it's been leaked for a year then obviously yeah just didn't look like they were I ready to show remember i vaguely remember talking about this uh this leak and i mean i'm not a huge sci-fi person so hmm. i don't know if starfield is going to be up my alley or not but um i am excited for a new elder scrolls and i'm very very hopeful that it's going to be a single player only thing To be honest, I really, with all the changes that they've made to ESO, I really wasn't expecting an Elder Scrolls 6. And I know people have been just, like, ripping their hair out wanting a new Elder Scrolls. But, you know, ESO has been doing so well, obviously. And the content has been really good. And the changes that they've made have made it more and more like an Elder Scrolls game that I honestly didn't think that we were going to get a new Elder Scrolls ever. So this news was pretty huge and I'm very, very excited. Yeah. No. And, you know, the last big thing that, that skipped my mind from the Microsoft conference that uh, uh, Babylon Redeemer mentioned on Discord when I asked for sort of feedback on, on E3 2018 was Cyberpunk. Or I put Cyberpunk. It's actually Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk 277 from CD Projekt Red, which are the guys behind the Witcher franchise. And this is their new new game. It's not a new IP. It's based off of a, you know, a tabletop game uh, in the Cyberpunk franchise. I've never played it, but it looks very, uh, very Witcher-esque in terms of it being a mature title, uh, very set, very far in the future, well, 277 <laughs> and uh, a bunch of cybernetics and stuff. So it looks like a very futuristic game and, and could be could be a lot of fun. I don't know when it's coming out. There was a behind closed doors demo that a lot of people are raving about. I guess it's a first person sort of RPG experience uh, similar to, I guess, Elder Scrolls. Uh, so we'll have that to look forward to in the coming years. But other than that, another one that kind of uh, we we glossed over, uh, Void Kronos was talking about he's excited for the three samurai games coming out in 2019. Now, I don't know which ones he's referring to, but I know of the one that we completely did not mention, which was uh, Ghosts of Tsushima, um, I believe is what it, that's probably not right, but it's uh, it's the new PS4 title. Now, did you, I don't did you see that trailer in the PS in the Sony uh, conference, the the Ghosts, the samurai game? Um did it pique yeah. your interest? Well, I I mean, there were a couple of different samurai games, it seemed like. And Okay, I what mean, am I forgetting then? I, oh, there was Neo 2, right? Yeah. And uh, so I'm kind of like, it looked okay, but I feel like there's something, and I mean, you talked about the gore and brutality of Last of Us Part 2, and I felt that way a little bit with the samurai game. Hmm. Is like, there's just something... It's a bit much. There's a lot of dismemberment. Well, yeah, and I feel like there's just something more, like, visceral about swords and, like, 
stabbing for some reason to me. Maybe it's just because like it's so much more like close quarters than like mm-hmm. shooting somebody with a gun. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I just like it was quite gruesome. I felt like it looked cool. The mechanics are cool. And I love like samurai Japan stuff. There was just a whole samurai episode of Westworld and it was great. But again, really gruesome. Mm-hmm. And I like I don't know. There was just something a little bit off putting about it, but it looked cool. Like the the game mechanics looked really interesting and really well done. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's going to be something that I want to play. Yeah, <laughs> I was watching it and a lot of people were raving about how beautiful it looked. And, and um, there were moments that certainly looked beautiful as he was like sort of riding through the field. But when it got into the combat and the traversal, it looked a little, little weird. Like the, again, the animations looked very kind of stilted, very, very weird to me again. And it could just be my, my weirdness or I don't know. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you feel like I don't understand why I'm not liking this as much as everybody else. And I'm fine with people loving it. But to me, it looked like weird pant physics. Like he had these big bulky pants, but they weren't moving correctly as he was walking around. Like they sort of jumbled alongside him as he was moving. Um, obviously stuff they could fix along the road. This is a game that with no release date, uh, this is the first gameplay we've seen of it. It also looks like a very empty world to me, which is, uh, you remember when they first showed off breath of the wild and you just, <laughs> and they were just sort of riding through the forest. And of course me, I'm like, Oh my God, this looks amazing. Then someone else reminds me like, Ryan, he's, he's just running through an empty forest. It's like, oh, no, but they'll fill it with stuff in the main game. You'll see. You'll see. And they never and did. They never... <laughs> but then with well, this, but that, it's but the same you, thing. You are right, though. Like stuff like that, like filling up empty spaces is something that can happen later on in development. And I'm mm-hmm. less worried about a game like this with an announcement of, you know, either no date or a 2019 release date. Like I'm less worried about those because those kind of animation problems or texture problems mm-hmm. or empty game world things are all things that you can change and update before you release it's also it's like the same reason why i'm worried about tomb raider because we know when that's coming and it's in a couple months and it looks like it still has a year or more development on it so you know like i'm i'm less worried about issues like that when they're being when they're showing us gameplay and i want them to continue to show us gameplay for these games that are still a couple years out that are very much in early alpha and you know haven't really come together and haven't been polished because like I said, with um, Death Stranding, my problem with that game is we haven't really seen any gameplay. Like there's a couple of scenes of what we saw at E3 this year that look like it could be gameplay. But even then, like there there isn't any combat. There isn't any anything from. And so I feel like gameplay footage is really important. And I would rather see early alpha kind of janky, not polished, kind of empty gameplay but just show me gameplay. Show me what your mechanics of your game are going to be True. instead of all of these like pre-rendered cinematic type things. So there, there I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to like read them and get mad at them for you know showing me janky gameplay. I'd rather see janky gameplay than none at all. Is my point. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. Like being a Faro game, it, it was nice of them to show combat, cinematics, interaction mm-hmm. with the environments. It was all there. I'm not faulting it. I just. I need to see more of that game before I'm all in. Unlike a lot of folks who are like, I'm in, you know, it's like, okay, look, let's, mm. let's see a little bit more. Let's not get too crazy here. It, and, and I'm not a big samurai guy. Like a lot of people who are super into samurai films are like, this is my jam. It's like, perfect. Mm. You got a movie or sorry, you got a game 
based off of your favorite, you know, movie genre. That's I love that that's a thing for you because I can't think of another game that's really captured that. Um, it's like people who are fans of westerns; they can't wait for Red Dead Redemption too. Mm-hmm. And 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 same here. I love westerns. I like the idea of westerns. But uh, yeah, no. All in all, I think there there was something to pull out of this E3 and latch onto and hug very gently and be like, "This is my jam." Um, it wasn't. It Elder wasn't. Scrolls Six. Yeah, exactly. There was something for everyone. I felt like there was yeah. no nobody that was left out uh, in the grand scheme of things. But I think if if you are and I had this, you know, if you're a hardcore fan of a specific platform or a specific, you know, franchise, um, you could have left wanting more. I feel like if you're a big Xbox fan, it's it was a bit of a bummer to see a lot of the stuff slip out of 2018 and in, and into the the near future. Um, Sony kind of rested on already announced things there was no real super duper surprises but uh and the same for nintendo really like it's this is kind of a holding pattern year uh, Mm. i think yeah i agree Uh, there wasn't really anything that was too crazy um but yeah there are a lot of things to be excited about though i think uh, lots of good stuff coming in the next couple of years but yeah uh 2018 doesn't seem to be like i mean 2017 was such a huge year i feel like any year that came after it it would be pretty much impossible to live up to because like 2017 set the bar so high it's probably one of the best years we've had in gaming in the last 20 to 25 years like there was just so much amazing content released so i mean the bar was so high after that that 2018 was gonna struggle a little bit and i think that's kind of what we saw is a whole lot of um things we'd already seen more information here and there um yeah so uh overall it was it was a fairly decent e3 probably not my favorite but like i said 2017 set the bar really high so it was certainly a a banner year last year and i think 2019 maybe it's like it's like uh name your favorite movie franchise where every other one's good so like 2019 (laughs) will be like oh my god this is like 2017 so amazing and then yeah. 2020 will be like, oh, okay, yeah, we're back to this. Uh, but <laughs> but all in all, like not like with the crazy amount of stuff that was announced and that was detailed, it's hard to say like this was the worst E3 ever. It, it was certainly a great no. year. Yeah, it was. I, I feel like it was. It was pretty good. It was fairly standard. I think a pretty overall. good, fairly standard. It was a pretty year. good, fairly standard <laughs> E3. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Plays. Ryan is Dar Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are available after the fact in the same place. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you thought the highlights of E3 were or what your experience with Jurassic World Evolution is, please do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week.